Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. This is the first day of matzot, uh, the, the, the seven days for the seven days of matzah, and this 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 particular day uh, is covered in uh, well the events for this day more specifically uh, is the sanctification of the firstborn. So it may not seem like a really impressive title, but that's what it is. Uh, so what happened was God did what He did in Egypt, the firstborn of Egyptians, and they of course died. And as they left Passover night, in the following day, their first stop, Sukkot, the first, first place they, 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 came, they crashed at for, for, for their gathering together, that was a point which God said, this is the daytime, which would be today, where you will set aside the firstborn, that God has now purchased those firstborn as his own. So talk about that today, that is the dominant thing we'll be discussing, that's what the day is about, as far as he, he has made his purchase, he has made his, his payment, his payment, of course, was the lives of the firstborn of Egypt was the payment. Of course, now he owns firstborn. So we're going to uh, Exodus chapter 13, which is when the event takes place, the record of the event takes place. Uh, Exodus 13, and it goes through, uh, well, we don't go the entire chapter, because part of the chapter goes through, obviously, through the end uh, of of what they've read. But Exodus 13, starting in verse 1, this is... For Exodus 13, verses 1 through 16, discuss the topic of the firstborn from the womb. So Exodus 13, verse 1. Jehovah spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first issue of every womb, among the children of Israel, of man and beast, is mine. Moses said to the people, Remember this day on which you departed from Egypt, the house of bondage, with a strong hand, Jehovah removed you from here, and therefore chametz may not be eaten. Today you are leaving in the month of springtime, and it shall come to pass when Jehovah shall bring you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, which he swore to your forefathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. You shall perform this service in this month. For a seven-day period shall you eat matzot, and on the seventh day, there should be a festival to, to, to Jehovah. Matzah should be eaten throughout the seven-day period. No chametz may be seen in your possession, nor may leaven be seen in your possession in all of your borders. And you shall tell your son of that day, saying, It is because of this that Jehovah acted on my behalf when I left Egypt. And it shall be for you a, a sign on your arm and a reminder between your eyes. So Yehovah's Torah may be in your mouth. With a strong hand, Yehovah removed you from Egypt. You shall observe this decree at its designated time from year to year. It shall come to pass when Yehovah will bring you to the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your forefathers, and he will have given it to you. Then you shall set apart every first issue of the womb to Yehovah, and of every first issue that is dropped by livestock that belong to you, the males are Yehovah's. Every first issue donkey, 
you shall redeem with a lamb or a kid. If you do not redeem it, you shall axe the back of its neck. And you shall redeem every human firstborn among your sons. And it shall be when your son will ask you at some time in the future time, what is this? You shall say to him, with a strong hand, you have all removed us from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And it happened when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to send us out, the Yavah killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, the firstborn of man, the firstborn of beast. Therefore I offered you of all male first issue of the womb, and I shall redeem all firstborn of my sons. It shall be a sign upon your arm and an ornament between your eyes, with a strong hand you have removed us from Egypt. That is our introduction for this day. So this is our, this is our day which we will talk about a bit about this process. As you noted, the, these are, um, it, it, the story obviously continues on, continue on in chapter 13. We, we won't cover those today. That's for next week, next weekend. But the events here, firstborn issue of a womb. Obviously, it's a male womb and such. Uh, it's a male. The male issue, that is. <laughs> Womb's not male. Uh, anyhow, so these which being issued. You notice the strange thing about the donkey, though, right? The, the donkey. So you issue the, the, the lamb makes sense. The goat makes sense. The cow. The, they all make sense. Redeem your firstborn sons makes sense. Redeem the donkey, which is obviously an unclean animal. Uh, if you don't redeem it, you kill it with the back of it, axe to its neck. You, 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 you execute it. That's strange, isn't it? Why would God do that? It seems odd. What's with the donkey? What did the donkey ever do? <laughs> Why does it get killed? Yes, Alex. Method is different than, you know, hit the Not neck. slitting his throat. Right, it, this is breaking exactly. his neck. It's whacking Whack. in the back. That's- yeah kill it it's it, it's it's brutal <laughs> it's brutal <laughs> we have to ask ourselves this stands out as a strange event why why kill the donkey and by the way this donkey is a donkey it also a group together all horses so any any of the horse kind we grouped into this donkey category so all, all the species of horse horse flesh whether it be a not that you have pet zebras but that would be inclusive of it, <laughs> from pet zebras all the way through to, you know, you know thoroughbreds. They're all the group of the same horse kind. So the first issue that is a, a male of them, if you don't redeem it with, means you have to re- replace it. Instead of redeem means it has to be bought back. Well, in the case of donkey, you can't use money. You have to do it with a lamb. Something has to actually swap place this. The donkey was the firstborn, but you're going to pretend it isn't, and swap it with a lamb instead, or a goat instead. So you, you, essentially you're saving the donkey, you're, you're exchanging it from one to the other. That should sound familiar to those who believe in Messiah, right? The principle of the firstborn, the, the person, individual, deserves a death, but you're going to exchange it with Messiah in its place. It's the same principle. Take a donkey, and you're going to exchange it. If you don't exchange it, meaning... If Messiah doesn't stand in the donkey's place, the donkey dies. That makes sense? Now put this in a Christian perspective. If Messiah doesn't stand in your place, you die. Get that make sense? That's the principle. So if that's the case for the donkey, the donkey, the lamb has to stand in its place, else the donkey dies. Or Messiah, Messiah stand in your place, or you die, then the donkey and you are the same person, the same symbol, same thing, same imagery, same metaphor. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not saying you're the, uh, the, 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 the derogatory term of a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's a there's a there's, there's a Jack and the Jenny right now. You're the Jenny. Huh? Uh, the point is that uh, so it, it's a it's a replacement. So essentially, you are the donkey. So you have to be redeemed. You're not redeemed. You're killed. You don't want to be killed. So you want the redemption, right? That makes sense. This is this is the principle, the symbols we're going through here. So this is the basic introduction. So it's a strange introduction because we have to understand and explore. Well, why would God use the donkey in this capacity, this symbolism, this, 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 this example? What's about the donkey that God would use that? Why, why not you know, something else? Why, why, why a donkey? You could be a cat or a dog, right? We have pets of those. Well, we just said a little bit about donkeys themselves and how God used them within our Torah. So, and as well as the talk, actually. And he used to, Messiah used them as well. There's a reason, by the way, Messiah rode a, a, a donkey, a colt, a male donkey, on his way into Jerusalem. There's a reason he did that. It wasn't like, oh, well, I'm, I, my legs are tired. That wasn't the case. <laughs> he, had, a, he had to select one on purpose because it means something. So first of all, let's go back a little bit into Genesis uh, 22, which gives us our first real taste of the functionality of a donkey. Uh, taste about the, not the right word. It's a, uh, <laughs> don't eat donkeys. But the point is the, the idea of where, of where a donkey is, is functional and why... God would then use a donkey and a human being as somehow similar or being, being spiritually similar. So Genesis 22, this should be a pretty um, obvious story, which most of you have recognized this. Genesis 22, starting verse 1, And it happened after these things that God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, Abraham, if I'd here I am, said, Please take your son, your only one, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and bring him up there as an offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham awoke early in the morning and he saddled his donkey. He took his two young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split wood for the offering and stood up and went to the place in which God had spoken to him. The third day, Abraham raised his eyes and perceived the place from afar. And Abraham said to his son, his young son, stay here sorry, his young men, sorry, said his young men, stay here by yourselves with the donkey while I and the lad will go yonder. We will worship and we will return to you. Abraham, of course, took the wood for the offering and placed it upon Isaac, his son, and he took his hand to the fire, the knife, and the two of them went together. Then Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Father, and here I am, my son. He said, here are the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for the offering? Abraham said, God will seek out for himself the lamb for the offering, my son. The two of them went together. They arrived at the place which God had spoken to him. Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound Isaac, his son, and he placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. And an angel of Jehovah called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He said, do not touch, stretch out your hand against the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you are a God-fearing man, since you have not withheld your son, your only one, from me. Abraham raised his eyes and behold and saw a ram. Afterwards, caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as an offering instead of his son. Abraham called the name of that place Yehovah as is this day on the mountain of Jehovah will be seen. Pause the story there. So we have this example of what was it? Now, 
the donkey isn't the key component of this story, but what was it doing in this story? It was carrying the burden from Abraham's campment for the three-day journey out. Okay, well, all right, that's, that's not uncommon, not unusual. The donkey does that, does, does carry his burdens all the time, but carries stuff. That's what it does, right? Donkeys carry things. They're beasts of burden. But in this story, the donkey is used, and it's used not so much as the donkey being the primary component, but it's going to end the story because it, the primary component obviously was Isaac. And Isaac was the one being swapped out. Isaac was swapped out with the lamb. The ram took Isaac's place, didn't it? Isaac's carrying, Isaac, yeah, Isaac was being carried. A donkey carries the sacrifice. A donkey carries the offering up. It carries what's being, what's being killed. The donkey's carrying the sacrifice. You point out, so it carries the wood. It carries, yeah, just, just Messiah's carriage too. So donkey had a function of carrying the components needed to offer up Isaac. A beast of burden. What was his job then? To deliver what was to be offered. Now, I'm not sure which parts. Was it just wood alone? Wood was bound on Isaac's back, so it doesn't sound like he's carrying wood. Uh, maybe the donkey was carrying other supplies too. But the point is that the donkey was being used to carry what is to be offered to the offering place. That was its function. Job to carry the offering to the offering place. As the donkey carries Messiah to his offering place, the temple. Now, obviously, Messiah wasn't killed that moment in time, but the process of the donkey was was bringing Messiah to it. So the same principle. Now we have, just like the instructions for Exodus, is that the donkey, if you don't kill the donkey, you swap it out with the lamb. In this case with Isaac, don't kill Isaac, swap it out with the ram. Same thing. It's a male lamb, although it's a little bit older because of horns, but still the same principle. It's the same animal being swapped out. The idea is being, the idea is being exchanged. There's exchange taking place. We always have the, the story of exchange happening in, the, in, in, in this section. It's a hashtag hallelujah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, this is not the only time donkeys do this particular task in our Tanakh. It's not, it's not an abnormal thing. So, the next one is go to 1 Kings 13. The donkey does the same task. So, God reuses symbols on purpose not because he's bored and can't, has, didn't have a good imagination. He reassembles to get stories across. So 1 Kings 13, this is a story we all know fairly well because we've read it in, as from children to, to adulthood. Um, this is an, an important, important story here because the donkey with Abraham and Isaac had nothing to fear of itself. It wasn't being killed. It had nothing to concern itself with. It was not, not, none of its concern. Well, because it was carrying the offering. It wasn't being offered. Now, in 1 Kings 13, starting in verse 1, Just then a man of God came to Bethel from Judah by word of Jehovah while Jeroboam was standing atop the altar to burn incense. Oh, by the way, background story. So, uh, before we get here. So, Jeroboam divided up the northern kingdom and southern kingdom. So, Jeroboam was in charge of the northern kingdom of Israel, right? And Rehoboam, uh, Solomon's son, is in charge of the Judah. So Jeroboam had built an altar, actually two altars, an altar of, of calves, golden calves. He had just like, just like the golden calf way back when in Exodus. He built two of them, one in the south end of Bethel, one in the north end where, where, where Tan, uh, Dan is, where Dan's territory was. He built two of them. He was offering inauguration offering on this one near Bethel, which is, Bethel is a little bit north of the border between the tribe of Judah, the southern territory, and all the rest of Israel, the northern territory. 
what, uh, sorry, it, it, inauguration, to inaugurate, to start, to initiate, to, to begin the beginning uh, inauguration offering. So Jeroboam was doing this and Jeroboam had commanded or ordered, since he's king of the other tribes, anybody, regardless of Levite or not, made a difference. Anybody who believed or wanted to be a priest now became a priest. So it was like, oh, I feel like it today, so I'm a priest. That kind of thing. That's, it's a free will. Do what you feel like doing. It was, what does it feel good to you in your heart? That kind of garbage. Sorry, I shouldn't say garbage. That kind of philosophy. <clears throat> so this, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the background story of what's happening here. So just then, go back to 1 Kings 13, verse 1. Just then, a man of God came to Bethel from Judah by word of Jehovah while Jeroboam was standing on top of the altar to burn incense. He called out to the altar by word of Jehovah and said, Altar, altar. Thus said Jehovah, Behold, a son will be born to the house of David. Josiah will be his name. And he will slaughter upon you the priests of the high places who burn sacrifices upon you. Human bones will be burnt upon you. He provided a proof that day, saying, This the proof which Jehovah spoke. Behold, the altar is split, and the ashes upon it are spilled. It happened when the king heard the words of the man of God, who had called off the altar in Bethel, that Jeroboam stretched out his hand from upon the altar, saying, Seize him! And his hand he stretched out towards him became paralyzed. He's not able to get back to himself. And the altar then split. The ashes spilled upon the altar in accordance with the proof the man of God had given by word of Jehovah. The king then spoke up and said to the man of God, please entreat the presence of Jehovah, your God, and pray for me, that my hand may return to me. So the man of God entreated the presence of Jehovah, and the use of the king's hand returned to him. It became as it had been before. The king then spoke to the man of God, said, come home with me and dine. I shall give you a gift. Then God said to the king, even if you give me half your house, I shall not come with you. I shall not eat bread. I shall not drink water in this place. For thus it has been commanded to me by the word of Jehovah, saying, do not eat meat, a meal, do not drink water, and do not return on the road which you went. So he went on a different road and did not return on the road by which he had come to Bethel. There's a certain man, an old prophet, who was living in Bethel. His son came and told him all about the deed the man of God had done that day in the Bethel, the words he had spoken to the king. So the sons also told their father. Their father said to them, By which road did he go? His sons showed him the road which he, the man of God, who had come from Judah, had gone. He said to his sons, Set up a donkey for me. They settled up the donkey and he mounted it. He went after the man of God and found him sitting under an elm tree. He said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? He said, I am. They said, come home with me and eat meat. Eat a meal. But I cannot return with you and come with you. And I shall not eat a meal or drink water in this place. A decree has come to me by the word of Jehovah. You shall not eat a meal nor drink water there. And you shall not return on the road which you went. He said to him, I am also a prophet like you. An angel spoke to me by the word of Jehovah, saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat a meal and drink. He lied to him. So he returned with him, ate a meal, his house, and drank water. I was sitting at the table, the word of Jehovah came to the prophet who had brought back the man of God. He called out to the man of God who had come from Judah, saying, Thus said Jehovah, because you have rebelled against the word of Jehovah and did not keep the commandment with the Jehovah had spoken, your God had spoken to you, and you returned and ate a meal and drank water in the place where he told you, Do not eat a meal, do not drink water. Your corpse shall not reach your father's grave. 
It happened after he had eaten a meal, after he had drunk, that he saw the donkey for the prophet, whom he had brought back. And he went and a lion encountered him on the way and killed him. His corpse was cast down upon the road. The donkey stood next to it, and the lion also stood next to the corpse. Then behold, some people were passing by. They saw the corpse cast down the road, and the lion stood next to the corpse, and they came and related it in the city where the old prophet lived. The prophet who had brought back the man of God from the road heard it and said, It is the man of God who rebelled against the word of Jehovah. Jehovah gave him over to the lion, and it mauled him and killed him. Like the word of Jehovah, he had spoken to him. He spoke to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it, and he went and found his corpse and cast down the road, and the, and the donkey and the lion sitting next to the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse, nor had it mauled the donkey. The prophet then lifted up the corpse of the man of God and placed it upon the donkey and brought it back. He came to the city of the old prophet to, to eulogize and to bury him. He laid his corpse in his own grave, and they lamented over him. Alas, my brother. It happened after he buried him there, he spoke to his son, saying, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Next to his bones, place my bones. The words he proclaimed with the word of Yahweh to the altar of Bethel shall certainly come about. It will also come upon the house of the high places that are in the cities of Samaria. End the story there. So in this story, the prophet is being carried to and from to give a message, right? The, 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 the Bethel, the altar of Bethel, to crack it, to split it, split it open, that humans will be burned there instead, the Jeroboam was starting. And the donkey did an unusual thing. Now, by the way, in case you're not familiar with, the natural enemy of the horse kind is the lion. That, that, that is the lion's preferred food are zebras, donkeys, and horses. African lions and, and, and as well as the Asian lion. That's their preferred food choice. If they can't get that, they something else. But they prefer the, the horses, the, the horse kind. So the donkey is the preferred food of the lion. So donkey carries man back. Obviously, the man gets, gets slaughtered by the lion. Is the donkey afraid? No. Would a donkey normally be afraid of a lion? Yes. <laughs> they know what lions are. They can smell them. They know what they are. So donkey isn't afraid. Why is donkey not afraid? Donkey had nothing to fear. Was lying after him? No. Who was lying after? The man of God. So we have this prince with a strange scenario where this donkey is carrying a man of God, a prophet, to his death, isn't it? Donkey is carrying the prophet. The prophet knows I'm going to die. God said I'm going to die. Donkey has no care. I think it's about itself. It's carrying the man of God back to, uh, on, 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 a, on a road he did not come on. Mind you, there's a reason for that process because Messiah came, came, came to us in one path through birth and left us the different path through death, right? And the secret which you, and it wasn't a path which normal men go, go through. You don't go through that particular death process because that's why it was quite unique in, in, in also resurrection process. You didn't not, not go to God in a normal way. But that's a separate side story. The nature of the donkey itself, the donkey's functionality is to carry the prophet from one place to the next. The donkey doesn't have concern about himself. Don't worry about the donkey itself. It didn't, didn't worry about its death or its, its impending doom. The lion normally would kill the donkey first and leave the man alone. But it didn't. It chose to kill the man first, leave the donkey alone. So the man and the donkey, who normally the donkey would die and the man would live, swap places. 
The man dies, the donkey lives. As a principle of, of normally the lion would eat the donkey. That's its preferred food. The man's a secondary, uh, not valuable item. It doesn't taste good, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he ate something bad that day. <laughs> but donkey's the preferred food. So donkey would be the normal thing the lion would be eating, be attacking and hunting down. It didn't, it hunted the man of God instead. So the man of God shouldn't necessarily have died in this lion case. The donkey should have. But it didn't. And it God did instead. So the donkey, the man of God, swapped natural places, by of course the command from God doing so, swapped natural places. Natural place, the donkey would be eaten first. The lion would attack it. If you're on a donkey, the lion is chasing you, what does the, what does the lion attack? It jumps on the donkey and takes it down. Then you're on the ground. Then you're easy. Takes the donkey first. It didn't. Donkey untouched. Man of God only. So the donkey and the man of God swap places. Of ours who died, who would normally die, who didn't die. That's a swap of places. It's not, it's not a normal thing. So we have another example of a, of, a, of a swap place associated with this donkey. Not just the same one, but as far as donkeys in general. Um, and there's, there, there's reasons for this happening as far as why God's doing this. Because in the case of redeeming the donkey in Exodus chapter 13, you have to swap it out with a lamb or a goat. So something has to take its place, the donkey, to survive. Well, mankind has to have the same rule. So we just take our place to swap to, to, so we can survive. If we don't take, someone doesn't take our place, we don't get that survival. So our death rests and stays with us as opposed to being released from us. So we're going to continue on a little bit further in this. Uh, let's jump to Matthew 21. I have the book out here. But the Messiah's uh, story process of ours, how he used his donkey. Matthew 21. This is how his, this is Matthew 21. Book of Matthew, chapter 21. New, New Testament, gospel section. Matthew 21 discusses the topic, topic about being the, this, this donkey carrying the Messiah into its place. Now, we, now when they drew, this is Matthew 21, starting in verse 1. Matthew 21, verse 1. And when they drew near Jerusalem and came to uh, Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus went, sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the full of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes upon them, and they set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their garments on the road. Others cut down branches of the trees and spread them on the road. And the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come to the Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then he went, Jesus went to the temple of God and drove out all the, those who bought and sold the temple, overturned their tables and, moved, and money changers and the seats of those who, stole, who sold doves. So then it is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. And the blind, the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. 
And the chief, the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out the temple, saying, Hosanna, the son of David. They were indignant. He said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you read out of the mouth of babes and nursing of infants? You have perfect praise. He left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Stop there for that story. So in that part of the story, what's the donkey doing? Why would God, why would Messiah have, why would God have Messiah specifically select a donkey to carry him into the city? Now, mind you, Messiah's not being killed yet. He kills a, you know, a few days later. He's not being killed yet. He'll be killed a few days, in a couple of days from that, from this, from this story, story point. He's being brought into the city. What's the functionality of the donkey? What's it doing in this story? It's carrying Messiah, the sacrifice offering, the offering that should be offered. Now, the donkey isn't offered in temples. That's not its function. But it's carrying one who is going to be offered in the temple. In this case, of course, was the Messiah. So the donkey with the prophet carried the prophet that would be offered to the lion by lion being, being killing him. The donkey carried Isaac as far as being offered. Of course, Isaac wasn't. The ram, the ram was swapped in, in his place. The donkey carried Messiah to offer Messiah up to the temple. Of course, Messiah was not swapped out. And we should ask ourselves, why was Messiah not swapped out? Other than the obvious reasons he's Messiah. But think about it. Did God redeem him? No. He didn't. The father's supposed to redeem firstborn sons. Did God redeem Messiah? No. No instance of that. No record, no record of that. So what does that mean if you don't get redeemed? What happens to a donkey if you don't redeem a donkey? You kill it. <laughs> what happens to a son? You're supposed to always redeem sons. But symbolically speaking, if you don't redeem your son, symbolically, he dies. So the fact that God didn't come and redeem his son, what's it mean then? By definition, as far as symbolically is concerning, he has to die. That's, that's the principle behind the imagery, what, what we're seeing here, why these, why, these, why these symbols are being ming- intermingled together. Um, there's a few of the donkey stories. We all know the donkey, the story of, of Balaam. Everybody knows the story of Balaam, as far as the Numbers 22. As far as, now, in that particular donkey's case, donkey was able to speak what was happening. Say, hey, I'm here to do something. I'm saving your life. Like, we're saving his life. That donkey recognized, uh, I'm carrying another offering, Balaam. And there's the executioner right in front of me. The executioner's right in front of him. So Balaam can't see the executioner. The donkey can. Donkey recognizes I'm carrying yet another sacrifice. Someone being brought to their death. The donkey then at this point in time, in the story of Balaam, let's go to Numbers 22. It's, it's, it's a funny story. Not funny as in ha-ha to him, but it, it's a comical story. Everybody likes the, the talking donkey. That's always fun. So Numbers 22 well, this Torah this, this verse we read in a few weeks from now, well, a couple months from now, I think we'll cover it again. I won't read the entire thing because it's, it's, it's a lengthy part of the, of, of the Torah portion, but uh, we're just, just going to go through a certain section of it. So we know the basic story as far as Balaam saying, or, so Balak saying, hey, I, want, I, need, I need some help here, curse these people out. So Balaam's being hauled in from uh, Peor in order to curse these people. I won't go through all the story of all that, all that section, but I would jump down from Numbers 22 to verse 20. 
Balaam, and God came to Balaam that night and said, if, if the men come to summon you, arise and go with them, but only the thing that I shall speak to you, that shall you do. Balaam arose the morning and saddled his she-donkey, this is a she, female one version this, this time, and went with the officers of Moab. God's wrath flared up because he was going, and an angel of Jehovah stood the road to impede him. He was riding his she-donkey, and his two young men with, were, were with him. The she-donkey saw the angel of Jehovah standing on the road with his sword drawn in his hand. So the she-donkey turned away from the road and went to the field. Then Balaam struck the she-donkey to turn it back onto the road. The angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a fence on this side, a fence on that side. The she-donkey saw the angel of the Lord and pressed against the wall, and it pressed Balaam's leg up against the wall. And he continued to strike it. The angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place. There was no room to turn right or left. The she saw the angel of Jehovah and crouched beneath Balaam. Balaam's anger flared and he struck the she-donkey with a staff. Jehovah opened the mouth of the she-donkey and said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Balaam said to the she-donkey, Because you mocked me. If only I, there were a sword in my hand, I would have killed you. The she-donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your she-donkey? that you have ridden upon me all your life until this day? Have I been accustomed to do such a thing to you? He said, no. The Yehovah uncovered Balaam's eyes. He saw the angel of Yehovah standing on the road with his sword drawn in his hand. He bowed his head and prostrated himself to his face. The Lord said to him, what reason do you strike your she-donkey these three times? Behold, I went out to impede, but you hastened on a road to oppose me. The she-donkey saw me and turned away from me these, these three times. Had it not turned away from me, I would even now have killed you and let it live. And said the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I did not know that you were sitting op- opposite me on the road. And if it is evil in your eyes, I shall return. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak to you. That shall you speak. So they went with the officers of Balak. We're going to stop that part of the story there because I'll continue on the rest of it. That's what's it for later. So the she-donkey recognized, um, I'm carrying a man on my back that this, this, this angel, this being in front of me, is going to kill. So it recognized, I have an offering on me. <laughs> just like with Isaac, I got an offering on me. Just like with the prophet, I got an offering on me. Just like with Messiah, I have an offering on me. And this she-donkey said, okay, I get the story. <laughs> I'm not going to travel this route. I don't want my master to be offered. I'm going to avoid this problem, try to get around the problem. And of course, the three attempts to, to do so saved Balaam's life temporarily because guess what? Balaam dies anyway. He's killed anyway. At the end of the story, when the, the, when the Israelites realize what had happened to them, they go out, they fight, they whack him down. He's dead. So this, he will be offered. He will die for this whole process. But the she-donkey attempts to stop the offering. So the she-donkey's function here was to carry a man to, to his death, essentially. Whether the death of the angel he tried to avoid, avoided that one. So instead, it continued on carrying to his destination, which also resulted equally in his death. Both he was going to die. He wasn't going to live through the process. So she-donkey recognized, I'm carrying an offering. I'm carrying something that's going to die. If I don't do something about it, I'll try to save it. If I don't do something, it will die. 
So the she donkey is recognizing this. The she donkey had nothing to fear necessarily by itself. It feared. It feared for, for, the, for, the, for the person on its back, for the offering on its back. So we had this, this, the, the, these, these cycles of stories going through here, but this nature of, this, of these donkeys. So what's this beast of burden supposed to be actually doing in our story, in our Tanakh? What's it doing? It's carrying death. It carries dead, not yet dead, but soon to be dead things. That's its job. And that's its, if you don't redeem it, it dies. So I have to ask you, as human beings, since donkeys and us are redeemed similarly, if we're carrying death, what kind of death are we carrying? Eternal death, the death that we caused, that we're bringing to the table. We bring death to with us. We got actions that cause that result in a death to us, that should result in death to us. If we don't get swapped out, it will end in death to us. That process is, 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 is a metaphor, a simile that's been going on here within our, within our talk regarding the, the, the donkey. And there's a lot of types of death that we may bring that can come from different forms. I will cover all the different types of death because we have a lot of different types of sins to, 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 you can cover different topics and such. But this type of death that, that, that we are responsible for as donkeys, <laughs> as, our, as our beasts of burden, what burden are we carrying? All the baggage of sins we carry with us. That's our death sentence. It's on our back. We carry it around. And we, carry it to, we walk toward our own deaths. Let's get swapped out. So let's move forward a little bit on this. <clears throat> so in order to, get to avoid this, this death process, something takes our place. Now we obviously understand Messiah takes our place. But there's more to just our Messiah taking our place. Messiah taking our place, he did something rather unique in that now he became a type of priest, a type of high priest in a symbolic form. Well, on the days of Matzot, the days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, there are tasks assigned to us, to me, to you, to her, to everybody. There is a responsibility associated with days of Matzot. So I'm going to switch over to my other, or correction, Jeff's going to switch over to the camera. <laughs> I don't have to switch buttons, but you can switch buttons. Um, so we have our example of donkeys. I'll come down a little bit for Donkey. It, its function is, a, is a, to carry, uh, off, in this case, for most of our examples we have, is an offering. And the offering in most of these instances were human beings. There was obviously Messiah. And there was Isaac, S, spell Isaac, and of course there was Balaam. There's other examples of, we also have the prophet, uh, the, his name's never given. Never his name, poor guy. The dis- <laughs> we'll call it the disobedient prophet. It's funny, he was lied to. He's kind of like a funky mix. Like, I don't know what kind of prophet they lied to him. What kind of prophet is he? Anyway, he's a lying prophet too. Was, so all these, the donkey's carrying all these different offerings as far as what its function. So its job is to carry the offering being offered to God. And it says recognize, and of course, this one for Balaam did in fact recognize, hey, this guy's a dead man. If I do something about it, he's going to die. The donkey did what he could do. You can't save dumb. 
If somebody is dumb, you can't save it. He's choosing to die. You can't save somebody. You can only do so much. The whole lead a horse to water. <laughs> exactly. The things they just are what they are. So poor Balaam, you're going to die anyway. Hey, the, I mean, to be fair, if I was in, in Balaam's shoes, I said, okay, angel, I don't need to ask. Should I go back? I say, see you later. I'm, like, I'm out of here. <laughs> no discussion required. I get it. I see the picture. We'll, we'll, we'll leave and call it good. Maybe that would be God's plan, but I, I, I still would have a hard time saying, continue on going forward. Anyhow, so the donkey has this function. Uh, there's another instance. We went reading of the story of, uh, of, of the other beast of burden um, in the case of the donkey, which was Samson, the donkey jawbone. That story, what was Samson's job when he was born, before he was born with Manoah and Manoah's wife? The instruction for Samson was he would be a Nazarite until the day of his death. That was his function. So who was he offering with Samson? It was Samson. He was the offering. Now, the only donkey he was using was a jawbone itself, which he whacked a bunch of Philistines with. Now, why a donkey's jawbone? I'll be honest with you. What is the worst sin that all of us commit? Out of our mouth. <laughs> what you say. <laughs> so I think there's a reason why God chose. It could have been a femur. He chose a donkey's jawbone. Yeah, femur for sense is big. It's massive. Let's do some, some serious killing. No, we'll do the jawbone, the smaller one, which isn't really that big to begin with. So I mean, donkeys, you know, what, maybe that, uh, 12 inches long. It's not really big. A femur is at least like 15 to 18 inches. He has some, 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 some good swing behind a femur, but no, no, no. He has a donkey's jawbone, which has been sitting on the ground who knows how long, a year, 10 years, I don't know, probably, you know, partially fossilized. Anyway, I think it's the reason because our mouth is the worst thing that gets us in trouble. It just really does. Anyway, that's my personal opinion, by the way. You don't have to agree with me. It's just, just how I... Yeah, <laughs> the mouth gets us in trouble the most. Um, so in this instance, so let's go through this a little bit here. Uh, see, I bought, uh, where is it? Oh, right. So offerings. So in this instance, all these donkeys realize they're carrying an offering. Maybe they may, actually the donkey may not have realized it, but they are in fact carrying offerings. So the type of offering, but in our high priest, the case of Messiah, Messiah, he has an offerings as a high priest. He has to have offerings too. So after his death, which is, of course, which we were commemorating this time period, he, has, he became a high priest. Well, the high priest, as we learn, has instructions. Now, I'm going to go through here right now because Numbers 28 discusses for matzot, for the days of matzot, there are certain tasks to be offered by the high priest. He has to give something that is to offer to God on our behalf, which for matzot, it includes a bull, it includes a ram, a goat, uh, as well as a lamb. There's different numbers. Like there's like, like there's seven lambs. And all different, there's different numbers of how many of them are given, right? So in place of the offering, we just have to have a, new, a, a substitute. In the case of a high, of a high priest, in the case of, a, of you or I, we have to redeem, redeem the, the firstborn uh, that, that, that's been redeemed. In the case of Matzot, which is where this commandment is, is, is started or initiated, we have responded to give these species, these animal species, and also inclusive is, is their, their matzah bread. Matzah. For all of them. They all have their, 
pre- prescribed amount of grain offering that goes with it. And of course, like all good offerings, no chametz, no leavening is ever allowed, except on Shavuot, which you don't get to burn it to eat that. But all other holy days, no leavening allowed, not permitted, God doesn't want to touch it. No, but, and no honey, no sweeteners. It's, it's flour, <laughs> it's got some oil, some water, and some salt, nothing else. That's all you get. The oil, there's some, some fragrance, like some, some fragrant oil sometimes you put into it, but that's how, they, how, they're, how they're offered. But our high priest took our place, right? That's the idea. Our Messiah took our place. So it, it, pause the, the, our, 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 our document here for a minute. So Messiah took our place. The swapping places is the principle we're trying to understand here when it comes to sanctification of firstborn. The swapping places, the idea that something else takes place over me or instead of me, that, pot, that process of an exchange. Well, so Messiah did that, that process. He, he did that exchange for us, which is good. We wanted that. That's a great thing. Hard for him. We want to be in his shoes, but it's a good thing he did it. So that's a, that's a positive thing. Now that he did that, what rests upon us? What burden is now left upon the donkey? Donkey survived. We're all donkeys. We lived. That's great. We're alive. Now what do we go do? Go ahead, go out and eat hay. <laughs> uh, go out and do something fun, right? No, it isn't a play time. It's a responsibility time. It's still a beast of burden. You're going to be a slave to sin or righteousness, right? Your choice. It's, you, you're going to carry one or the other. You carry your sins or carry your righteousness. It's your choice. Which one do you carry? Make, make a decision what you want to carry and carry it. Because you're a donkey. You're a beast of burden. You're going to carry something. We're designed to carry things. So back to our... Our, our document here again. So the case of Numbers 28 discusses these particular things must be brought, not by the high priest, but rather to the high priest. So who carries the sacrifices? Donkeys. It's general rule. So we're the donkeys. So we carry our offerings. We carry our, our first fruits. We carry our, our burdens to God. These are good things to carry. So and we go through this process. These things we carried. So you and I have responsibility to carry a bull and a ram and a goat. I think there's seven lambs here. I think it's times seven for times seven. Lambs brought. For matzot. How do you do that? How do you do that? I don't have I don't have an altar. I don't have a I don't have a temple. Temple I can't I can't offer anything. What do I do? On my knees? Well, there's some details here. We need to understand this principle. So bull, the Hebrew word, it comes with it as your strength. Spell the word strength. Terrible penmanship. Bull is your strength. What what, what the, the 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 greatest thing you can offer as far as what is within inside you? And the ram obviously has always been interpreted as prophets. Uh, the goat is always your sins, and the lamb is always your praise. This has been pretty universal throughout our entire Tanakh. This has been pretty, pretty consistent principles that's always been the case for all these offerings. So if I'm going to offer my strength, what is strength can I offer it? What's great about my God? Don't ask the question. Don't ask it. Just think about it. What's good about my God? As opposed to, what's good about your God, Rose? Or yours, Alex? Or yours, Jeff's? 
See, I have an individual relationship with my God, don't I? And so do you. I think of God, there are certain things that pop in my head, certain philosophies, certain ideas, certain experiences I went through. I think of how great my God is. It's not the same as yours. Same God, different experience, different relationship, different, different, different association with him, right? And when we talk about God, and when I talk about God, whatever, I talk to, whatever the topic or story happens to be, or when Jeff talks about it, or when Alex, anybody else talks about God, we discuss these things in a context of our own mental state of where we come from, what God did for and with me. I don't necessarily share all those things, do I? Because they're all in the baggage that I'm carrying as a donkey. All of the stories on my back that God did with me that I'm carrying along with me. That's my God, Right? Now, that same principle, if I'm going to share these great heavy burdens, they're good burdens. How do I share them? The same thing that I use to bring my sins about, my mouth. I share them by telling you about the great, great things of my God, right? Our lips, our lips give praise to God. They give, they give, they give glorification to God. As Hosea the prophet, the, my words, my mouth, the, the, the lips, these, these are my blessings, these are my offerings of my, my calves and my lips, the, 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 the offering, the bulls of my lips, the words I speak. These are the great things of God. So when we're discussing, when I'm going to offer a strength to God, I'm going to offer a matzot, what am I going to do? I'm going to use my mouth, and what am I going to say? The great things of my God. There's my bull, the great things of my God that he's done not necessarily for you or you or her or him, but about me, what God did with me and for me and through me, what he did, how great he is in my perspective. This is my bull. The bull has my name on it, not yours. It's mine. I'm offering it. What great things have my God done for me? I'm, I'm in my mid-40s. Some of you are in your 70s and 80s. God's done many things in your lives. There are great things, hard things too, but great things. That's our offering. On top of that, our profit offering. You have a profit too. What did God, t- don't, don't share this. It's a rhetorical question. What has God done in your life that fulfilled a prophecy to you? Not to the prophet Hosea or Isaiah or or as no, to you, what has God done in your life? Is that I will do this for you, and it did. That's your prophecy being filled. That's saying, God, you did the impossible. Isn't that that you said you do? I, I didn't. I didn't. I want you to believe you, and yet it came to pass. That's a that's a blessing. That's a good thing. Share those. That's your ram offerings. Sins. Yeah, we have sins. I got sins. You got sins. I don't like to share my sins. <laughs> I keep them private. They're between me and God. I don't like to share them. But reality is, I know I have my own sins. I have to offer those up too. But yeah, I screwed up. I'm not as good as I once was. I thought I was. I'm not as good. But God says cover those too. And then my praises. Yay, God. He's awesome. The things he's done, not just for me, but what he did for you too, when you share your story. Yay, God. 
these are the type of offerings we're discussing when it comes to these offerings we offer. This is our responsibilities as people that we no longer have our burden offering on our back. We have our blessings on us. We carry our, the righteousness of God on us. We've been swapped out. That's a good thing. So what's a donkey's job? To carry the burden not of sin, transgressions, iniquities, but of praise, a great strength, of the prophets that God's done for you, the great things God did for you in your lives, the lives of your families, and share it. We, have, we bring our food here, potlucks, right, to share, right? The same principle, share it. It encourages one another, doesn't it? Have you ever been encouraged in anybody else's story? I have. They say what God did with them, like, wow, I've, I've known people in your situation, and they're dead, and you're not. That's awesome. I mean, who are going through your story right now, and they're thinking about they're going to die, and they may or may not, but it can encourage them too. Those offerings are blessings. Those are great things to share. Those are words that come not through our actions, but they come out of our mouths to share. Those are offerings from matzot, days of matzot, the days of, of, of unleavened bread. Give those offerings up. Those are positive, good blessings to give. So the nature of this, this sanctification of firstborn, the idea is being you've been saved, you've been swapped out. You were supposed to die and you didn't. Yours was the one being killed and you were exchanged. So you didn't die. And somebody else, a ram, or in this case a lamb, took your place. That's the idea of matzot. They have, now that I don't have the burden of all the baggage I carried with me, what do I carry? The nice things God did for me. The stories he did for me. And share those. That makes sense? Hopefully it makes sense. That's the intent of the firstborn being, donkeys, sorry, being exchanged or being uh, swapped around for, instead of it dying, a lamb dies its place. Donkey carries the offering of sacrifice and the offering is a beast of the, the burden. The sacrifice upon you is a burden. It's being taken off of you. You don't have the burden on you anymore. It's the whole idea of Passover, right? God's died, though you didn't deserve it. <laughs> God's taking your place. We're not discussing Yom Kippur, that's a different story, different, different scenario. <laughs> you knew better then. This what you don't necessarily know, but you just are. And you try to get through this process of, of, of not being what you are, not, not, not receiving what you deserve. So this story normally would go into uh, a little bit of discussion on the idea of what Messiah was regarding first fruits com- uh, uh, commentary. Um, and, and, and just to cover a little bit more of that tomorrow, actually, so, so we won't be covering too much detail of it today. But the idea of this, why was Messiah selected? What, was so, what, what, what makes him unique about this, 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 this time period? Because all this story of swapping out, well, that's Passover. That took place last night. But that was last night. So what's the next thing? Well, that's how you get counted. The counting course starts tonight from sunset onward, the next 50 days. And so Jeff's going to do a, a short thing tomorrow regarding this topic of being counted. But the idea is that if you are a person and you carry your sins, and his other person carries their sins, and one chooses to get their sins swapped out from God, so their sins are no longer a burden, they're actually in joy or in, in freedom, what about the other guy who didn't get his sins swapped out? 
he still pays his prices. He still pays his suffering. The misery is still on him. The idea being the counting of the one that got swapped out that has now survived, he's counted. There's number one. And then over here is number two. And over number three is over there. The count process of counting are those saying, yeah, I want him to swap places with me. So I get counted too. So, yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah, so you start counting the cycle of the Omer's counts from sunset to night onward. That's a cycle of counting. That, that, that's a process of being counted. Do we be included or excluded? Do we get part of the swap out? Or do you want the axe to back your neck? <laughs> would I rather choose the axe or no, put the lamb in my place? Thanks. <laughs> it's your choice, right? That's the idea of being counted. You, 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 you choose the back of the neck, the axe, the back of the neck, or you get to choose, I'll take the lamb in my place instead. Do you want to be counted or not? Do you want the burden removed from you or not? And that, that's the process of counting. And that, that counting continues on, obviously, for 50 days until it culminates in a course Shavuot at the end, which is uh, this time, early June, I think it lands this particular year. But the idea of the first fruits, uh, James covers it. Uh, uh, it's also occurred in, in Corinthians as well. Um, and Revelation discusses it too. The idea of what it means to be a first fruit. Because as I mentioned before, you have these offerings to give. You're supposed to, be to give them. And what do they look like? Well, they look like dominantly what comes out of your mouth. That's a dominant thing to look like. What comes out of your mouth is the biggest component of your offering. Uh, James discusses that in particular, which is, um, well, let's show James real quick because I happen to like, I really like the book of James. I, I don't know why, I just do. Like his, his word choices are just... James, it's, 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 a, it's a strange, to me, it's, it's kind of like a book of, 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 of reality. <laughs> This is how it looks like to live. I'm really big on physical, um, um, literal things that I can put my hands on and touch. Yeah, kind of stuff that, that, that's real as opposed to a, a, a theoretical concept. I'm not really good at theoretical. I'm just, I'm just not. Um, so I like James because he said, hey, do this, don't do that. <laughs> I'm really good at that. So James, James chapter 1, go down to verse uh, 13, the idea of, of, of what this, these words, what this, this offering is supposed to look like. So uh, James 1, verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived by beloved brethren, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. I like the way he says that. The principle of your, 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 don't be deceived that, this, that, that God will bless you according to what God is going to give you in, in this storyline. And it's important to understand that this, this, this offering or goodness from God is not a burden upon you of sin, or struggles, or temptations. It's, it's, it's reality of what is true, what is right. Go on to verse 19. Therefore, my, brethren, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which, it will, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For everyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans, widows, and their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So how do we avoid putting new burdens on our backs? How do we avoid putting more sins, transgressions, iniquities on our backs to haul them around? Right there. Lay aside filthiness and wickedness. If that word of meekness and kindness. Be doers of the word of God. And bridle your tongue. Not too hard, right? Actually, it's really hard. <laughs> it is hard. It's this human nature to, to unbridle our tongues. It's really hard. But that's the idea. So the, these are the principles, as I mentioned, for the offerings we're supposed to give. Those are things we share, and we share them with our mouths. We share those good offerings. So if we, have a, if we bridle our tongue, we're not sharing wickedness, not sharing evil, not sharing condemnation or, or slander, or, or you're slandering on God, as he points out, God doesn't tempt you. Don't say God tempted me. I'm t- it's, it's, this is nothing unique about you, but anybody else, we all have the same temptations. We have to overpower them, overcome them. It's not God's responsibility to fix your temptation, it's yours. But we can get through these processes and we, have, we share the great things God's done with us through these struggles. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. So the idea of matzot, the days of unleavened bread, and in this beginning of, of being counted, to be counted, you're not going to have filth coming in your mouth, are you? You wouldn't, because filth coming in your mouth does not count as godly, is it? It curses your God. Sharing filth is not helpful either. It curses God too. Curses your in God's name. Curses because cur- you take God's name in vain. You're you're supposed to be an example of of a godly person, and sharing filth, of course, is not an example of a godly person, is it? But it will trash God's name. The process and this offering that was given to you, and, and the strength, this whole the strength, the prophets, and all these great things you're supposed to share. Remember that they're, they're not supposed to be full of garbage, not lame animals, not ones that. Oh yeah, this is Daniel's. By the way, he's missing. A leg and his ear's been whacked off. The tail's cut in half. His burn scar. Yeah, let's offer that one to God. God looks at that and says, "Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> let's try better than that. Give me a better looking animal than this. This sheep was not what I had in mind. This is not a praise. This is a, this, this is or this is a stunted animal. This one was short. I can't eat it. It's all skin and bones. It was it was. I didn't know. It's, it's not used. I'll, I'll give it to God. Is that what God's after? Of course not. So." Our actions reflect what we're offering. So these offerings matter in how we present them to God because they're in our place, they're in our name. It's our name attached to them. That name's got to mean something and not the garbage, lame, shrunken, scarred up, mangled up animal. <laughs> it means something of, that is nice, that is pleasant, that's attractive, that's valuable to him. Does that make sense? 
Hopefully it does. Those are all offerings that way. Any questions or comments for this Torah portion? Or Torah portion. Actually, our presentation today. Um, there's more to this. I didn't cover all of it. Uh, I didn't go through all the first for the counting. We'll cover uh, more tomorrow. Nor to cover Joshua's cycle as far as how he covered, covered this topic. Uh, yes. Larry. Um, the only thing that I'm wondering about is this thing about the donkey. And if we have accepted his sacrifice for us and we are attempting to be his disciples, then we're not going to get struck in the neck no, no matter what, right? Well, if, if, you, if you choose to walk in that way, yes. That's the point. Right, we can throw that away, but if we don't throw it away, I guess that's why, but it's not by just being obedient, that's by being... Well, that is obedient. That is being obedient. If, 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 you, if you are walking in the path that Messiah wrote for, the example he gave to us, the, the, the path that Moses wrote about, you are being obedient. Well, I mean, I'm not perfectly obedient. Nobody's perfectly far, obedient, but God, God decides what is, what is not perfect. So he's the one who does the examination. I don't. He does. And he decides if you, I, I forgot what the scripture is, but you can be perfect in Messiah. You can be a perfect man, a perfect person. I, I, somebody else, but I can find it. I remember the scripture, the, the idea of being perfect, be made, being made perfect. You can be made perfect by the person who's inspecting you. Let's say you have a black hair. And you're supposed to be all white. The inspector can pluck the hair out and discard it. You can be made perfect by the inspector. The inspector, of course, is God. So if you are choosing to follow the burden that is responsible for you to follow, you are being, you are carrying the beast, the burden on your back that is of righteousness as opposed to one that is full of wickedness, transgression, and iniquities. So those, it's not that you aren't are responsible for them, you are. We must continue in them. Continue, continue on in them. So, for example, we have the days of Yom Kippur, which we'll cover back in, in the coming of the fall. The idea of Passover was I to cover the sins, and iniquities that you, or sins more accurately, all that you don't even know what you did. Cover them up with something fresh, clean slate. That's Passover's principle. When it comes to knowledge of what I'm doing is right or wrong, that goes into Yom Kippur. Now I know what I did was right or wrong. I suppose I didn't know anything. God saved me. I don't know anything. I'm, I'm confused. I'm lost. That's Passover. Now I'm not confused. I'm not lost. I screwed up. And I know it. That's Yom Kippur. That's a different problem to deal with. A different, more deep, more, more deeper, greater depth of its understanding as far as how important it truly is because you knew better. Does that make sense? The two different holy days cover cover. The topic of sins, transgressions, and iniquities in two different ways. One is for the ignorant individual who knows nothing, and one is for the knowledgeable person who knew better. They're two different concepts. The knowledgeable person, the Passover has already been taken care of, that's been done. Now, do the Yom Kippur, how do you clean yourself up and stay clean as best you can? How do you address when you fail? Don't stay in your misery. How do you get out of the misery? Yom Kippur is a cycle for that process. Uh, yes. I just want to go yeah. to the meaning of perfect because I don't think it It's has, not fair. In English, it's a terrible word for it's it. A, it's not a yeah. good interpretation because yeah. it means really complete. Yeah. So, finished. You're a finished, finished person. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing else to be Completed. added. Yeah. Nothing else to be added or subtracted. You're, you're, you're done as is. That's a good thing. We, we, we want that. That's a, that's a good thing you brought, you brought that up. That's true. Um, yes, Alex. I just, the, the strength one, I'm a little confused about um, at the four 
Yeah, the four the four principles yeah, of the animal the, spy. The testimony, I don't know. I probably run with the wrong kind of crowd. They're they're <laughs> gonna be like, man, yeah, whatever. That's fair. You're that way. Okay. You're weird. You're weird. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, strength is another form of um blessing. Blessing. So if you want to share a blessing God's done for you. Not some, oh, look, I stubbed my toe and it's, it's better. No, I mean, a real major blessing. Those are your strengths, all right? That's a, a better, better way of looking at it as far as how, how Hebrew adjusts the concept of strength. It is, it is your vigor, your intensity of like, wow, this is amazing. That part is what they consider strength, a great blessing that God's put upon you. You mentioned it before, actually, your work, for example, having extra work. I mean, your strength, not have a lot of money in there. Now there's a ton of work. That's a blessing, right? It, it takes a lot of strength, but it's a blessing. You've, you've mentioned that for, for, your own, for your own employment. That is a blessing God's given. That's one of the strengths. Look what God's done. As opposed to, it's not a prophet. It's not about God fixing something. He would fix you in your life or some struggle or relationship with your, with your daughter, for example. That's different. Or sins that you've done or haven't done. Or general praise of yay gods. God's great. Those are well, general praises. Yay's God. Sing, the clues have songs. We do dancing here, of course, as well. Those are general praises of God. So the strength is what great blessing God did for me, and here it is, and lay it out. That makes sense? That's what strength means. It's, it's, it's a thing that truly affects your being inside you of how your whole life is affected by this event, whatever it is. Make sense? Okay. Any questions or comments regarding this, this section that we talked about? Yes, uh, Carrie. Well, I just was still thinking about what Larry said, and something that um, just has held really strong for me since coming to Torah is that the reason why Moses said it's not too hard to keep the Torah is because of the sacrifices, actually. Right, they can fix the screw-ups. Right, so in, when I grew up in Sunday church, we didn't really talk about it that way. I don't think it was understood. So it's, it's the thing is, is that nobody can walk perfectly or without blemish or whatever, however right. you want to say it. Um, it's the sacrifices, the covering that makes it possible for us to be okay, even though we make mistakes, as long as we're in earnest. Right. Those, those offerings allow you the method of not staying in your misery. Right. If, if, if I make a mistake, make a sin, if I stay there, guess what? I'm wallowing in my sin. I'm stuck there. I can't get out of it. You don't want to stay there. Those offerings are designed to get you out of them. Designed to get you out of those those those, those struggles, those, those difficulties. That's a great thing to point out. Any comments or questions? All right, we'll conclude with a prayer then. Almighty God, our great Father, thank you. Thank you for our Shabbat. Thank you for our holiday season, our time of matzot, our time of focusing our attention upon you and not upon ourselves. We ask you to continue to bless us, Father, as we spend our whole week discussing this topic amongst our family and loved ones about the idea that we are not burdened anymore, that we are to be free and Go to a wide open place, a place that is yours, Father, that you have set aside for all of us. May you bless us, Father, as being beasts of burden, so to speak, that we carry burden of righteousness, of kindness, of love, of good words, of sharing, and of spreading your way of life to those around us. May you grant us peace, Father, as we continue our time with one another and enjoy each other's company. Glorifying you and praising Yeshua's name. Amen. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. 
halal.info.